2: My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, UCI Cultural. We're recording this episode on Thursday, April 20th, and you say it's official. We are one week exactly away from the start of the 2023 NFL Draft. How exciting is that? Um, How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing well, and you're right. It's so exciting because it feels like you had free agency come and go, which again, was an exciting time. And then... I think just looking at this offseason from an analyst and writer's perspective, the possibilities were endless for the Bears, right? You had free agency come and go, and then there was just this completely dead period where there really wasn't much going on. And then even the Bears visiting with like certain prospects, like a Derek Hall edge from Auburn, for example, was cool but you're like all right this is news we expect to hear anyway like give us something exciting between the trade from one to nine that bears panthers trade i mean this week well next weekend i should say thursday friday saturday is really just going to be the culmination of like everything that this fan base has been excited about for the last like five to six months
2: yeah. It's really felt like the off season for the bears has, you know, the culmination factor was going to be the draft. You know, I think we all expected them to be a little bit more active in free agency, but obviously I think they, this front office under Ryan Poles, they want to build this thing out through the draft. So I think this is where this is where we're going to see most of the activity for the bears. I'd imagine um, I would expect a lot of trades coming up for um, this upcoming draft and, um You know, I expect to be the Bears to be very active, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Speaking of trades, um, before we get into the subject of uh, today's episode, which is going to be our final mock drafts, um, or yes, final mock drafts heading into uh, the 2023 NFL Draft or Mock Draft 2.0, I should say, Um, we do have some scenarios and rumors to talk about here. One rumor that I found very interesting uh, that was thrown out there is this idea of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Bears being trade partners um for this upcoming draft at the ninth overall pick and you know it sounds like the Steelers they're really interested in moving up I'm not sure it was thrown out there that you know they could be interested if Jalen Carter falls to number nine overall to trade up for him it's been rumored that they're interested in trading up for a tackle because tackle is a big need for them and you know they're not sure if they're going to get a guy that they want all the way at 17 um and it, it brings up an interesting discussion about the Bears like do you stick at nine overall where you could get a really good player still um, despite not having as high of a pick as they once did before trading down with the Panthers, or do they try to move back and accumulate more picks um, and, you know, really try to own this draft from a draft capital standpoint and just throw a lot of darts at the board um, and address a lot of needs in this rebuild. Um, When thinking about these trade scenarios, you said, where, where do you stand on this idea of trading down versus staying put <laughs> at the ninth overall selection?
1: Well, you have to kind of go about drawing this fine line. If you're Ryan Poles, Maddie Refluse and Ian Cunningham, because the train that a lot of fans, I think this off season have been on and just the trend we're seeing is that everyone just says, Hey, let's just trade down and go ahead, acquire more draft capital. But, the reality, I think, comes down to this is that the fine line is which player are we going to get that's going to be an impact day one starter? What needs are we going to go ahead and address, whether it's offensive tackle, or edge rusher, cornerback? Because the Bears have been linked to a handful of cornerbacks. You know, they had Maryland's Deontay Banks, who a lot of people project as a first round pick, in the building the other day for one of the top 30 visits. And so, really, I think it's just that fine line. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are perhaps the most enticing trade partner for the Bears. And why? Because when you kind of look at, how the rest of the first round plays out after the bears pick it's like the eagles are going to take a player you know they're just going to make an already strong roster stronger the tennessee titans are doing their homework on quarterbacks and you've got the Houston Texans and New York Jets okay two teams that are in the quarterback market you know the patriots had Will Levis in for a visit today the packers well we don't know what's going on there the washington commanders and Pittsburgh Steelers i mean the commanders have Sam Howell under center but No one should be a big Sam Howell believer by any means. Not saying he can't be great. It's just, it's hard to see Sam Howell succeeding given kind of his previous struggles. And he came out in a year where he really was not the top quarterback prospect. And the Steelers is where I think it gets interesting because you have Mike Tomlin, who's one of the longest tenure coaches in the league. He's a guy who I think can get the best out of Jalen Carter. A lot of people would probably tend to agree because the Steelers have this way of going about taking some of these troubled players and kind of continuing to get the best out of them. But then also I think the more significant portion that you alluded to was the fact that The Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett last year. They made an effort to build around him by taking George Pickens in round two. And now it just so happens that they've got a solid running back in Najee Harris, but The offensive line has taken a step back over the last couple of years, and this is the perfect draft to rebuild your offensive line when you've got a rookie quarterback on a cheap contract to maximize the window. So the Steelers, you know, from a perspective of what the Bears could get, I mean, look, they're picking at 17, then at 32, and then again the Steelers are picking at – 49. And so it's a scenario where you know the Bears don't pick from nine to fifty-three right now. So you want to figure out a way to shore up that gap. And there's no better team than the Steelers inside the top 50 to be able to do that.
2: Yeah. And and you know, when I looked at when this first this rumor first came up and I started going through trade scenarios that the Bears and Steelers could pursue, you know, I I, th- I think swapping those second round picks to get higher up in the second round for the bears would be ideal because you want to be in the top 50 of this class, because, you know, going through my mock drafts and, you know, for the subject of today being our second mock draft, um, you know, when I, what I noticed about this draft class is that after the first 50 or so picks, it does seem like there's a bit of a drop off in talent in this class. And, and it's one of those things where you want to get high in the second round. So, um, one, that there is better talent available to you. And and two, um, in case teams do want to come up with you at the at the beginning of the second round, you have then another valuable valuable pick for you to trade back down again and get more draft capital there. So I mean, there's a lot of options that can come for that. So a couple of scenarios that I went through um, when looking at this thing, obviously swapping nine and seventeen, but you know the Bears could swap to get the Steelers' thirty second overall pick, which um, ironically the Bears traded to the Steelers for Chase Claypool, um, infamously as we could say, Um, but they could swap 32 for 53, which the bears own right now. Um, And the bears could also swap the Steelers pick of 49 for the bears pick of 61 right now in the second round and then give up a, and then the Steelers could then give up a fourth round pick um, to kind of even it out on some of the draft charts out there. I've been using the rich Hill chart on some of these trade down ideas. Um, and that's about even value when looking at there, the bears could also just do a swap for the 32nd pick um, for their 61st pick in the second round and ask for the Steelers third round pick, which would be about even value. So either way, I think that would be um, a very good scenario for the bears to get higher draft picks um, in the second round, get in a situation where they get into the top 50 and be able to draft a somewhat premium prospect Um while still getting other, you know, more picks and other needs addressed um, through trading down at number nine overall. Now, I mean, they could still stay at at number nine overall or trade down with a a team like the Titans who that would you wouldn't get as many draft picks from them. um, But uh, it would be less, you know, spots to move down to where you still could feel confident that you're going to get a high totally highly touted prospect whereas at 17 it does get a little bit risky and i've I've got through some mock draft scenarios where i traded down to 17 and you know it does i wouldn't say it gets like bereft of talent but i don't feel as confident in addressing the needs that the bears need to address in the first round i think this offseason at 17 as opposed to earlier in the draft so there is that to consider but I, i i'm a big fan of making that trade down i think i think it would work for you know where the bears are at right now where they need a lot of picks they need to take as many swings at these positions as possible and they have a lot of needs that they need to fill a lot of holes they need to fill on this roster i think long term so if they can find a way to trade down i think the steelers make a lot of sense the commanders make a lot of sense the titans make a lot of sense and the texans if they decide to, tr- to pass on a quarterback and number two overall which is one of the biggest rumors going around in um, nfl circles right now uh, that could be another trade down spot for them if they're so inclined to do so there. So a lot of things to consider here when we're talking about trade downs, but speaking of trade downs, let's get to, and the draft, let's get to our mock draft for this episode, because I, I think that's the main reason why our listeners are here uh, for this episode is going over uh, what will be the final mock drafts for this podcast. I have another mock draft. I, I plan on having another mock draft coming out for the Bearport YouTube channel for you guys to check out. Um, but for the, For the purpose of this podcast, uh, we're going to be going over our mock draft 2.0s for here. And what we did for this mock draft is um, instead of last time where we did incorporate trades because the Bears had the number one pick at the time, because the Bears have made their trade down from nine, we decided to do no trades for this mock draft. You know, keep it simple, um, keep it to where we had the same picks, um, same players or uh, similar players available for us at each selection. That way, I think it's a little bit easier for, our listeners to kind of track you know who's got who and um you know where the picks are at and all that stuff so uh going into it here let's look at the bears where their pick situation is at right now before any trades go down i'm sure there are going to be trades when we get to the actual nfl draft but for the sake of this mock draft i think it's simple just to go through the picks that the bears have and discuss where they're at and of course we talked about it they had the ninth overall pick in the first round um They have two second-round picks at 53 and 61 overall, a third-round pick at 64 overall, two fourth-round picks at 103 and 133, 133, uh, two fifth-round picks at 136 and 148 overall, and then two seventh-round picks at 218 and a compensatory pick uh, at 258. So from there, we can see that the Bears have, um, if I'm asked correctly, 10 draft picks going into this year's draft this year's draft, which is a pretty dang good um, draft hall to have or, or draft capital to have going into this thing. Um, so before we get into the picks here, you said, what are your thoughts on the bear situation in terms of draft capital heading into the draft right now?
1: Well, I went back and looked at the bears all-time draft history it's crazy because 10 draft picks and four inside the top 100 is i think the most that this team has had since 2008 um the four inside the top 100 like i said it's the most that this team's had since 2008 that's so significant because again this is a team that whenever they do have resources they've developed this reputation for hey let's just go spend big in free agency let's go ahead let's just play mad and throw all our money at a couple free agents and then really not push our chips onto the table for the draft so this is really one of those situations where i mean 10 picks is phenomenal and you know you earlier touched on the value that comes with this draft class now forget the fact of a first round pick for just a second like whoever the Bears are drafting in round one needs to be a starter considering the lack of talent at specific positions across this roster but really when you're looking at this draft class the reason that a trade down needs to happen in the first round is not just because it's about acquiring more draft capital but because really the meat of this class is rounds two and three and so the Bears have I believe it's just like three or two second round picks and then they've got a third round pick as well, right? So you're in a situation, I think where you need to add more because those second and third round players that you take this year are going to be in a situation where, you know, you can go ahead and add those guys to the roster and then they can become valuable contributors as the year went on. Now, considering the way Ryan polls handled the third round last year with Valus Jones jr. I understand why some fans will be skeptical, but then again, there's, more room to maneuver this year and if we're going to be honest like last year was a good draft class but it wasn't one that necessarily blew anyone out of the water and at this point last year I mean we were on the same podcast talking about how hey the Bears have so many needs to fill it doesn't matter who they take because whoever they take within the first like two rounds being rounds two and three for this team they are probably going to end up starting because there's no talent on the roster this year though it's incredibly different
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, there are some specific needs I think for the bears to tackle going into this year's draft. Uh, we talk about tackle ad nauseum. Um, the defensive line is a need right now. <clears throat> And then cornerback is a bit of a need. Uh, really, they could go all over the place. though. wide receiver is still a need, I think, even after the D.J. Moore addition. Um, they could get a long-term answer at safety for Eddie Jackson. You know, I don't know if the linebackers need anymore. But th- there, are, there are definitely needs all over the roster. Running back is certainly a need. So, without further ado, say let's just get into the picks and let's start with the first round. And we'll start with your pick, you said. Who did you end up going with here in the first round for the Bears at nine overall?
1: I mean, nine overall, I think that it's going to be a guy in the trenches. Give me Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. I went with Paris Johnson Jr. just because I think, in terms of size as well as strengths, I mean, he's about 6'6, 315. You know, he's a pure left tackle for this team. Now, what I like about Paris Johnson Jr. is there's a level of versatility that he brings. The Bears are going to covet. You look at his earlier years in Columbus, I mean, he was playing right guard primarily he kicked over to left tackle this year and really i thought excelled so for paris johnson jr i mean this is just about being a guy who naturally fits into playing left tackle obviously has the versatility is an explosive phenomenal athlete you know really good when it comes to getting out in space taking on linebackers in the running game so when you look at him right it's a guy who really just plays with a mean streak and When you watch Paris Johnson Jr. this year, I don't think anyone came away with the impression of like this guy's Well, let me take a step back. When you watch Perry Shonson Jr. this year, you probably would not have known that he was only a one-year starter. I think when you look at his tape this year, if you didn't know anything about him, you probably would have assumed that he was like a two- or three-year starter at the left tackle position because he was just that damn good. So this right here, I mean, the Bears get their blindside protector for Justin Fields for years to come.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I have the same exact pick at nine, number nine overall. The Bears stay, in my opinion, Paris Johnson is the pick. I think he was the best player available for me on the board, um, and he fills a huge position need for the Bears. And whether he's at left tackle or right tackle, uh, Paris Johnson. I mean, left tackle, right tackle. The importance of those two positions are the same, in my opinion, for the modern-day NFL. Either way, you need a pass protector um, at left tackle and right tackle. And Paris Johnson, he's got a ways to go as a pass protector, I think, in terms of some of his footwork and some of his technique. But you look at the physical tools that he has, 36-inch arms, which are just ridiculous, a like ridiculous wingspan uh, to play tackle, um, ideal Height and weight at six foot six, 313 pounds. Maybe he's a little bit stronger, but I think that's just a nitpick for me. Um, and then the movement skills that he has, he's dancing bear type of feet in pass protection and his kick slide. And he can get out in the move in the run game as well. And he has enough, you know, Drive and finish and, and nastiness in his run blocking to where he can develop in that department. I think, you know, he's still got a ways to go in terms of his development. He might not be a guy who, you know, hits the ground running in the NFL as we see with a lot of tackles, but I think from a long term standpoint, I really like his fit on this Bears roster in this Bears offense for what they want to do in the running game and in the passing game. And I think he has all the traits that you're looking for, really prototypical traits for a left tackle or right tackle in the NFL. And whether you know they see him replacing Braxton Jones or kicking him into, to the right side um, you know, to play alongside Braxton Jones, or maybe Braxton Jones plays a right tackle. Either way, you have options now at tackle with two young guys that hopefully um, you can build around at those tackle spots. And if, you know, they have that there um, that sets them up really well, long-term, especially um, to protect Justin Fields. If Those two guys can then develop. So like you, uh, like you alluded to uh, you said after the ninth overall pick the bears, they don't really pick for a while here. Not until the 53rd overall selection in the second round, but let's get to that second round pick. Let's get actually to both second round picks just to get them out of the way, 53 and 61. So you said when the bears get to the second round here, You know, who were some of the guys available for you and and what did you end up going with um, in those spots?
1: Well, I think really for round two, it's the best place to shore up the defensive line if you're the Bears, because everyone gets lost in the Tyree Wilsons and the Will Andersons, the Miles Murphy, Brian Besey, the Nolan Smiths. And again, that's completely fine. But. Give me Auburn edge rusher Derek Hall with the 53rd overall pick. When you look at him, I mean, there's physicality, athleticism, speed, and power to his game. I think you look at his production this past season, I mean, he was incredibly productive. he's actually leaving college with like 30 quarterback hits, about 23 or 24 sacks the last time I looked at his production. So you're getting a consistent player with a high motor who I think really is – gonna end up being a day one starter for this team now i have questions about what Derek hall is able to do in pass coverage at the next level sure there were times at auburn where he kind of showcased hey i can drop back into pass coverage but nfl offenses are getting so much more faster now what puts Derek hall over the top for me is that he is continuing to grow as a pass rusher which again is completely fine but as a run defender i think all the tools are there to really come in and be solid from day one so really Derek Hall I mean incredibly solid well-rounded player who again has some growing to do but this team's gonna grow collectively under the guidance of Matt Eberflus and his defensive staff so then at 61st overall I mean I have Keanu Benton, the interior defensive lineman from Wisconsin. You look at Keanu Benton this past season, I mean, man, there is nothing but good things to say about him. I thought that this year he really took that step at Wisconsin from being good to being great. You look at him, I mean, he's just so strong up front. His size and measurables alone being about 6'4", 3'15", right? And then just his length as well. You look at that and you just have to say, right, like this is a player that's an ideal run defender, really is going to eat up a lot of space because of his natural size. And again, he's a guy who, you know, you can kind of move around and play with around with when it comes to different alignments along the defensive line. So like I know at Wisconsin, he was primarily playing zero and one technique sometimes, but I think the potential is there, despite the fact that he is a bigger player to be able to go ahead and move him, you know, to like a three technique or a three eye, for example, or even a two or a two eye for the bears to kind of figure out where his ideal fit is. But he's just such an enticing prospect that with Hall and Benton, you're going to get two day one starters.
2: Yeah. We're, we're thinking very similarly here at the top of this draft because at the 53rd overall pick um, I had Keanu Benson on Wisconsin as well. Uh, for me, I know you took him 61st overall, but I took him at 53 overall because he was the best interior defensive lineman left on the board. And after him, there was a qu- quite a bit of a drop off at that position. So I wanted to address that first before um, addressing other positions. And, you know, there were some cornerbacks I really like still available. There were some defensive ends I, I really like still available. And I felt like I could get one of those players at 61 and 64 multiple players. I had liked at 61 and 64. So I took Benson at 53 because I wasn't sure he would make it to me at 61 overall. And he fills the need for the bears. Like they need an interior defensive lineman who can just be disruptive and make plays both the run game and the pass game. And, and Benson, you know, he's a player who played kind of all over the place in the interior for Wisconsin. He played some nose tackle. He's played some three technique, play some one technique, um, four eye two eye, um, just a lot of different places that Wisconsin used him in their defensive front. And, you know, he's not a perfect prospect right now. I think he still has a ways to go. He's, you know, he's a little bit inconsistent, I think at Wisconsin. So, you know, he's not a guy who I think, who I think is going to be a consistent impact player right away, but certainly flashes a lot of high-end ability, both as a pass rusher and run defender. In fact, even though he kind of His profile, it seemed like early in the pre draft process, was you know, kind of this run defending, interior, one tech, nose tackle guy. I actually, when I go back and watch him, I honestly feel like he's a better pass rusher at this point than as a run defender. And it's not that he's a bad run defender, he just he's very inconsistent as a run defender. He can be dominant at times, and there are other times where he kind of plays a little bit high and takes himself out of a play. Whereas a pass rusher, um, even though he wasn't in a pass rushing role, Wisconsin, when they gave him the opportunities to really get after the quarterback and pin his ears back. He showed some really intriguing stuff. So um, he, he's got a lot of talent. I think, like you said, they're going to have to experiment, I think, a little bit to see what his best fit is at the next level, whether he's a three-tech that you want to slim down a little bit or you know, beef him up even more to play that one-tech for them and be more of a run-stopper. Um, either way, I think you're getting a guy who two or three years on the line could be a very, very, very good player for you at either defensive tackle starting spot and be someone that hopefully this Bears team can build around for a long time. And then at 61 overall, like I mentioned, there were some cornerbacks that I liked available for the Bears. And one of them was I was surprised he was here for me because I'm really high on this guy. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, you know, big long physical press cornerback who I think fits the mold of what Iberflus wants in the back seven of his defense. And, yeah, I, I was surprised because I have a borderline first-round grade on Stevenson, so the fact that I get him at the end of the second round, um, I mean, that just feels like stealing to me. Like, he's he, he's a guy who fits, I think, as a day-one starter, and whether he's a, G, a Jalen Johnson replacement or a guy who starts alongside Jalen Johnson long-term if, if Johnson gets an extension, either way, I think it's a really good pick for them because cornerback still is need, even though they got Kyler Gordon last year in the second round, It appears to me that Kyler Gordon is going to be their long-term nickel cornerback in this defense. So you add another cornerback here in Tyreek Stevenson who can start right away for you on the outside, um, can play man, can play zone. He's got good instinct. um, And yeah, I I just like everything about Stevenson. I, I think he's an underrated player in this draft class. He's not talked about enough. So right away, when you look at my first three picks here, Johnson, whether he's left tackle or right tackle, uh, you're getting a starter there, hopefully a long-term, you know, foundational piece for your offense. And then the second round, getting a starting defensive tackle and a starting cornerback in the second round, like that would be very good work for Ryan Poles in in that scenario. But let's move on to the third round because the Bears, they only have one pick in the third round at pick 64. Uh, who'd you end up picking there, you said?
1: Yeah, so for that one, I went with Luke Weipler, interior offensive lineman from Ohio State. Now, what you have to understand with a guy like Luke Weipler is this, is that he gives the Bears some flexibility because we know Tevin Jenkins is playing left guard. We know that Cody White here, who, again, I'm not sold on him possibly even being center for this team, and then you add Nate Davis to the mix. So why not go ahead and add a young offensive lineman that you can kind of develop. Now, Luke Weipler looking at him, I mean, he's never going to blow you away with his physical traits, but what he does bring sometimes is – really good technique and I think with him what it is is this right he's got really good body control he understands kind of what angles to take and then when he gets in space he's just always putting himself in a position where he's gonna have the upper hand versus the linebackers or the defensive lineman you know he's not necessarily gonna be the guy who's gonna blow you away at the point of the attack but there is a lot when it comes to wipeler to go ahead and say you know the technique is solid enough to the point where you can see him developing into a multi-year starter and again i know for recapping my first four picks like i understand i've taken nothing but offensive and defensive linemen but quite frankly like this is what this team needs and throwing white into the mix kind of sweetens it and would give a lot of people more confidence because again, Cody White here is getting so much older, right? He's approaching 30 years old now. He's the longest tenured bear. And quite frankly, there's no guarantee he's even on the roster when training camp opens. So Waipeler just makes sense as a guy that you take and go about, you know, inserting him into the starting lineup, seeing what he's able to do.
0: Learn more at marines.com.
2: Yeah, interesting there. You get two Ohio State offensive line alignment to protect uh, former Ohio State Buckeye, Justin Fields. There, very interesting connections, uh, right there for the Bears. Um, for me in the third round, I'm going to go with a familiar face here. Uh, Derek Hall out of Auburn was available for me at 64. Like I said, there are some defensive linemen I liked. Um, you know, I was thinking Isaiah Foskey would he be available for me? Um, McGuire out of Missouri, um, another interesting name in this draft class at defensive end. Um, but ultimately, like Derek Hall was the defensive end that ended up being there, um, and I took him because uh, I, I think that is a tremendous value for a player with his skill set. You know, Derek Hall has got a lot of juice as a pass rusher, kind of like a, on the smaller side for defensive ends, which you may think is not quite the mold for what Iberflus wants in a defensive end. But, I, I mean, the one thing that Derek Hall has in space is arm length. I think he has 34-inch arms, and he uses that very effectively. He has a very good long arm pass rush move, and he's a very good bull rusher, one of the best bull rushers in this draft class, despite being on the smaller side. He knows how to convert uh, speed to power. He's got great acceleration off the line of scrimmage. And, you know, if he can work on, you know, just having more moves in his tool belt, um, to utilize against offensive tackles, he could be a very um, fun pass rusher in the NFL. And I'm not sure if he's a full three-down guy because you know his run defense at this stage in time is uh, how do I put this uh, very poor. He has almost like no awareness in the run game. Um, you know he gets bullied off the line of scrimmage quite a bit. Doesn't quite know how to use his length um, as a run defender and set the edge yet as much as he does as a pass rusher right now so that's probably the one thing that might be concerning for him but as a pass rusher you love the juice that he brings you love his ability to push the pocket and if he can add more moves you know to his skill set there Um, this is a pass rusher that I think could add a different element uh, to this Bears defensive line that they don't really have right now, which is a guy off the edge that can, you know, truly gets the quarterback quickly and gets the quarterback right away and just make an impact. And, um, you know, Hall in the third round in a very deep edge class, I I think that would be tremendous if he's there. I'm not sure if he gets there on draft night because I I see him as more of a a second round guy when it's all said and done. But early in the third round, uh, that'd be a slam dunk uh for me right there uh let's move on to day three the draft from the fourth round the bears have two fourth round picks you said one at 103 one at 133 uh who'd you draft with those two selections there
1: yeah so at 103 i'm adding to the wide receiver room a guy that i was surprised was actually there because he's been going in the early third rounds for a lot of mock drafts but i went with Marvin Mims Jr., wide receiver from Oklahoma. I think when you look at him, I mean, he is a player that's incredibly much smaller, right? About 5'11", 180 pounds. The concerns about him playing through the tough physical contact is certainly going to be there, but... And he does need to add some muscle to his frame to really develop into this tough, scrappy wide receiver. But Marvin Mims Jr., I mean, just screams explosive vertical threat playmaker all around. I think you look at his college production. I mean, that was something that was just absolutely through the roof, right? This past season, I mean, he had about 54 receptions, just under 1,100 receiving yards and averaged about 21 yards a reception. Right. So when you look at Marvin Mims, I mean, the winning trait for me in terms of where is he going to fit on the Bears was kind of just how tough and scrappy he was as a run blocker. I thought he was just solid all around in that area. Like, yes, we know he's an explosive, vertical, big play threat. But when we look at the context of his scheme fit with Chicago, being a good run blocker as a receiver is so essential to the success of this offense. Like Marvin Mims Jr., if he's there in real life, it's 103. I would not be mad if the Bears took him. And then the second uh, pick that I have for the Bears, right, is running back Israel. I'm hoping I'm saying this correctly, but it's de Conda. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Khalil Herbert, not going to carry the load. Dante Foreman, Travis Homer, a couple of vets who have some tread on their tires. You don't really know what you're getting with and Ebner. And so I think adding a guy like Israel Abikanda makes a lot of sense, right? You're getting a guy who... Again, became basically one of the top backs in the ACC. Has really good bursts when he gets into space. The home run hitting speed, certainly there for him too. And then just the way you look at his legs when they keep driving when it comes to coming into contact that's really good contacts balance there and then pretty solid vision as well. So with Abikanda, I mean, you're getting a player who is going to split reps with a guy such as Khalil Herbert, but can certainly add another explosive element to an offense that needs it a lot.
2: Yeah. Once again, you said we are on similar thinking here um, as At 103, I went with wide receiver. A different wide receiver, though. So a different wide receiver, not the same player. But I went wide receiver at 103. Uh, Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. Uh, Mingo is kind of like the opposite of uh, Denzel Mims. In in, in terms of Mims, is kind of an undersized, speedy receiver who can take the top off of a defense. Mingo has the speed to be able to take the top off as well and be a deep threat, but... He is more of a physical specimen at the wide receiver um, rather than Mink, uh, Mims, who is more of that undersized type of, like I talked about. Uh, so Mingo, let me bring up his med- measurements here, because this guy, I think he fits the mold of what, um, you know, the Bears are looking for from wide receivers. Like Luke Getzi comes from the Green Bay Packers, who had very strict size standards at wide receiver. They wanted these guys to be big enough to be able to block on the outside and play physical there. And you look at Jonathan Mingo, six foot two. 220 pounds and at that size he ran a four force 40 at the combine 30 and 39 and a half inch vertical and nearly an 11 inch uh, 11 foot broad jump um so this guy's an explosive athlete he's a big dude um and i i think he's an improving ascending player like the production wasn't there at old miss they just didn't really you know feature him in the offense very much but you look at him play he's improving as a route runner he's got decent hands He has the ability to uh, be an impact player at all three levels. Um, He has some ability to get yards after the catch with his size and athleticism. I I just think he's a guy who's going to go under the radar here. Again, not a lot of production, um, but teams, I think, are going to see the size, weight, speed aspect of his game and what he brings on the football field from an athleticism standpoint and really be intrigued. And where this gets interesting for the Bears is – this is more of a long-term play for them rather than a short-term, you know, solution at wide receiver because obviously they have, you know, DJ Moore, they have Darnell Mooney, they have Chase Claypool. And honestly, I think after this season Chase Claypool is probably not going to get an extension unless he proves me wrong and, you know, you know, has a bounce back season here, but it's more likely to me that of Claypool or Darnell Mooney, that Darnell Mooney is probably going to get more likely to get to the extension than Chase Claypool and if that's the case you need a big bodied physical player on the outside to kind of replace what Chase Claypool provides you in the offense. And Mingo kind of brings that element to the offense. So I know a lot of Bears fans may be a little bit worried by this pick because you know they may see shades of Vils Jones where um Jones was drafted solely for his athletic profile um and didn't really have a ton of production at Tennessee. Whereas, you know, Mingo, once again, another player who didn't have a ton of production, but he's got a great physical profile. But honestly, I feel like Mingo has a better skill set to play wide receiver at the next level. I think he's got developmental potential here. And I, I just really like, you know, his fit in the Bears offense. And then later on in the fourth round, <laughs> gosh dang, you say we're on literally the same exact play, page here. I have Israel Abani Konda as well out of Pittsburgh as my picket running back. Um and he, he's to me is like, he's one of my sleepers in this draft class because I just really like his, uh, I really like his fit in this outside zone scheme. The bears want to run. He he fits along alongside kind of that Khalil Herbert style of running back to where um, he's a one cut runner. He's an outside zone runner, but you get him in the open field, get him in open space and he's explosive um, making that one cut and then just getting downfield and, um, in the open, in open space, he's really, uh, really hard to catch. I think he ran like a four, three, something 40 at, um, at his pro day at, you know, six feet, 260, 216 pounds. So he's got good size. He's got incredible speed, incredible explosiveness, young guy at 20 years old. So theoretically he's still kind of developing as a running back here. Um, you know, he's got to work on his pass protection. He's got to work on his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and be more consistent there. But as a runner, he's a true home run threat in the backfield. And you add that element to this offense where they brought Deontay Foreman in um, to kind of be kind of that bruiser, um, bell cow. I wouldn't say bell cow, but uh, be a guy who can kind of have more of the carries, I think, in the rotation. Khalil Herbert and Israel Abadi can be um, change of pace backs where they have that explosive element to their game where – um in that outside zone sk- scheme, if the Bears want to run, they can be the home run hitters and get big plays um, working off of Justin Fields in the read option game, um, and really take advantage of the light boxes that they are going to face um, in this offense this next year. So, I like the fit. I think in the fourth round, that's very good value as well. Um, but moving on to the fifth round, the Bears had two picks there as well. Um, you saying who are your two? Who are your two fifth round picks?
1: Yeah, so at 136 and 146 or 148, I believe. I've got Edge Isaiah McGuire from Missouri. I think you look at him, right? He's a guy who, again, has a lot of growth that needs to take place, but he's about six foot five, two hundred and seventy-three pounds. You know, what you like about him, it's really good athlete, is kind of really explosive as well, has a handful of good pass rush moves that kind of round out his skill set and then just really He was highly productive in college as well. Now, for Maguire to take the next step and go from being depth piece slash rotational edge rusher to possibly becoming a full-time starter, what needs to happen is this, is he just has to add a lot of functional strength to his frame because I think that will allow him to – get even better when it comes to that speed to power move that he just so desperately loves to use. And then shocker, shocker, you know, with the Bears' second fifth round pick, I've got interior offensive lineman Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. I think, you know, when you look at Ryan Poles' comments this off season in terms of the offensive line, how the team wants to create competition, you look at the way that the bears addressed the offensive line last year, drafting four guys on day three, Jarrett Patterson's a player who, if he slips through the cracks, like I would not be mad at all. The number one, what do we know about these Notre Dame offensive linemen, right? They are some of the best in the nation. He looking at Jarrett Patterson was pretty solid as a center also played as left guard this past season. So there's. Just incredibly big, strong physical player, really solid at the point of attack as well. And then it's pretty solid pass blocking. So what you're getting with Jarrett Patterson is he's not a guy who's ever going to blow you away with his athleticism by any means, but you're getting a guy who is pretty smart, really good technique, and then just versatile as well, which allows him to keep his feet moving. He's able to climb to the second level and, um, you know, at times, make some plays, but those are areas where he could improve too.
2: Yeah, for me in the fifth round, the offensive line was an emphasis emphasis for um, addressing, you know, and really in terms of value, really the best values here um, in the fifth round for who's available. Um, at one thirty six overall, I saw the draft, Braden Daniels out of Utah. He played left tackle for them at Utah, but in the NFL, I see him as more of a guard. You know, he's at six foot four, even though he has 33 inch arms. I, I just think I mean, he's a better fit at guard in the NFL. They kind of struggle at tackle and pass protection, but he's a guy that has a ton of really exciting athletic traits, very explosive athlete out of the stance, very natural mover in space. I think he's a good fit for what the bears want to do in offense, where they run that wide zone Shanahan style offense. They need offensive linemen that are light on their feet. They can get to the second level. And wall off linebackers, engage linebackers, and even safeties at times, um, and just create opportunities to get explosive runs. And that's what Brady Daniels is able to do. And it's nice that even though he's probably not a tackle long term in the NFL, he has the flexibility because of his experience, uh, to be able to kick out and play left tackle or right tackle in a pinch if you have injuries and whatnot. So uh, really like that pick there. He's a developmental option for me. He's not a guy I expect to start right away. But I mean, look at the Bears roster right now. Yeah, they signed Nate Davis in free agency. Um, but Cody Whitehair's, is I don't think a long term piece. Lucas Patrick's in the final year of his contract. And Tevin Jenkins, while he may be the best offensive lineman on the team, um, I'm not sure if he's a long term piece as viewed by the the current regime because of the injury issues he's had. And um, I'm, I'm just not sure he's a guy that this current front office and coaching staff wants to rely on long-term, despite the fact that he is ridiculously talented as a player. So Brandon Daniels as a developmental guy, a guy that can be um, an option for them maybe in the future, maybe he develops in this, into a starter, but you know, you know, most like a scenario he's a guy who can be a flexible backup for you at all five positions, potentially if he wants to you know work on you know being able to snap under center um and also play tackle as well as well as being a guard um and then at uh pick 148 i went into your offensive line once again getting juice scruggs out of penn state a guy that the bears have been linked to uh, they they had him in for i think a top 30 visit um earlier in the draft process so scrogg's a guy who was an experienced player at penn state he has center guard flexibility is kind of like a bigger so i wouldn't say a bigger center but he has kind of the body composition and you know the strength to be able to play guard i think at the next level and i don't think he's the ideal fit for the bears in terms of their offense because he's not like the hyper athletic guy that um i think the bears want from their centers um but he is a good enough athlete to execute this scheme. He's a smart, intelligent player, um, anchors pretty decently in pass protection. Like, You look at all of his traits, and he does a lot of things that are solid, but nothing like exceptional. But he also doesn't really have many glaring weaknesses either. So he's one of those guys that I think is a very safe player um, in the NFL draft. On, and on day three, you bring him in, and he's like a backup for you as a center or guard that's very good value for you right there. I don't see him being a starter at the NFL level, but maybe in a pinch, he can play some center for you for an extended period of time, which again, in the fifth round, you take flyers on guys like that who can just be, you know, solid contributors for you on your football team. And it beefs up your offensive line too. So with these two draft picks now, I think the depth for the bears is much better in the interior. I feel much better about that group moving forward. And, Combine that with Paris Johnson getting drafted in the first round. Now the offensive line, in my opinion, is starting to come together as a fulfilled, like overhauled unit uh, to where you have Braxton Jones at left tackle. You brought in Nate Davis, you know, you have Tevin Jenkins and Cody White here in the short term. And I got Paris Johnson at one of the tackle spots and some young guys who can develop as depth for you um, in this system. So let's move on to the last two picks here uh, for this mock draft in the seventh round you said, who are your seventh-round picks here?
1: Yeah, so I have um, tight end Payne Durham from Purdue. You know, you look at the Bears' tight end situation. You have Robert Tunyon as well as Cole Komet. Those guys are going to start for you. When you look at Durham, I mean, the blocking that he brings to the table, just the blocking ability, the way he's able to kind of move defenders, keep his feet churning in space, right, just a guy who – I think is solid worthy of being a developmental prospect right now as a receiver. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. He's not going to ever be the best separator when it comes to playing against man, man to man coverage, elusiveness, getting the ball in space, not necessarily his biggest strengths as well. And then just when it comes to run after the catchability, Good, but not necessarily great, right? Durham Payne's a player who has a lot of growing to go ahead and do. Like, I understand he had a solid 2022 season with 56 receptions, eight touchdowns, averaged about 10 or 11 yards per reception, had 560 receiving yards. But just overall, you look at him, I think he's going to spend his entire career, especially if he does continue to play in a Shanahan-style offense, just being kind of the guy that is a – um primarily rotational tight end being a run blocker more than anything else so if a team's looking to run a lot of like 12 or 13 personnel sets that's where pain um pain would come in and then last pick i went with cornerback miles brooks from louisiana tech right you look at him he's about 6 foot 1 185 pounds i mean Pretty solid when it came to ball production this past season, but you're just getting a long, lanky cornerback. A guy who, again, never is really going to blow you out of the water, but there is something there with the measurables that he brings to the table that you say, okay, we could definitely see him developing into a solid depth base.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And for my final two picks in the seventh round here, um, I decided to go with edge rusher once again with my first pick, Thomas Incum out of Central Michigan, a guy that I was surprised was here in the seventh round. But you know what? If he's there, I'm going to take it. Uh, Incum is, is a developmental edge prospect that I think has a lot of ability. Um, you know, it's about six foot three, 260 pounds, 34 inch arms, or just under three, four inch arms. So from a physical profile standpoint, he definitely fits the mold. Um, he's a pretty good athlete, tested pretty well at the combine and had an insanely productive um, final season in college where he really broke out. Um, he's a guy who's very early in his development, but I like the combination of, you know, power that he has the speed off the edge. Um, he has some bending ability. And he plays physical in the run game too. Can set the edge. He's not play. He's not afraid to um, stick his nose in there and play physical. So I really like his developmental upside and just get another guy in here who um, can bring some juice off the edge. And yeah, maybe he doesn't make the teams a seventh round pick right away, but maybe you stash him on the practice squad for a year, and then two or three years down the line, he's a you know a good rotational backup for you um, on your team, which is extremely valuable. I think still to have that deep, you know, group of pass rushers to get after quarterbacks. So another dart thrown at the edge here. And then with my final pick at, you know, pick two fifty eight, I went with Elijah Higgins out of Stanford. He's kind of like a wide receiver tight end hybrid, depending on where you want to play him. And I picked him specifically because, um, when I watched him play at Stanford, he reminded me a lot of Alan Lazard, um, who I remember from the green Bay Packers for, um, for years there. It was an undrafted pickup by the Green Bay Packers as a wide receiver at Iowa State, but they tried converting him to tight end. He ended up playing more wide receiver as like a big slot for the Packers. But, you know, where this kind of fits in for me is that Luke Getzey was there when um, they drafted or brought in Alan Lazard. And, you know, they used him as a pretty big part of their offense while Getze was there in Green Bay. And um Lazard's role at the Packers was basically, like I said before, that big slot, hybrid tight end wide receiver position um, where you know he makes an impact as a blocker. He's kind of like an extension of the offensive line and getting out in space as a run blocker. And then also can provide you some value as a possession receiver underneath in the intermediate part of the field. And Elijah Higgins, while I'm not sure if he'll be you know, quite the contributor that Alan Lazard is in the NFL, I see him filling a very similar role in the NFL where he played a lot of outside receiver for Stanford. He just doesn't have the speed, I think, or the quickness and separation ability to play in the outside. So to me, he's a big slot. He's a blocker for you um, on screens and outside runs. He sets the edge very well there. Um, And then, you know, against zone defenses on crossing rounds underneath routes, he's a possession guy who can catch the ball, maybe use his frame to get yards after the catch. And, you know, that's really it. Nothing really exciting there, but, for what this team wants to do and with a run-heavy approach, which I think is what they want to do still here, um, he kind of really fits for that style of offense. So those were our draft picks for our second mock draft here for the 2023 NFL draft. And just quick recap, you said go over all your picks one more time for all the listeners in case they missed something. Um, Just go over your draft one more time.
1: Yeah, so round one, pick nine. I've got offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. Round two, pick 53, Edge Derek Hall from Auburn. Round two, pick 61, defensive lineman, Keanu Benton from Johnson. Then round three, I've got interior offensive lineman, Luke Weibler with the 64th overall pick, pick 103. In the third round, I've got wide receiver Marvin Mins from Oklahoma. And then I have um Round 4, pick 133, running back Israel Abikonda from Pittsburgh. Round 5, pick 136, I've got edge rusher Isaiah McGuire from Missouri. Round 5, pick 148, interior offensive lineman Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. Then the 7th round picks, I've got pick 218, end Payne Durnham from Purdue. And pick 258, cornerback Miles Brooks from Louisiana Tech.
2: Yeah, as for me, very similar uh, drafts that you say in some aspect, but uh, nine overall in the first round, I pairs Johnson Jr. as well. On um, the second round, getting Keanu Benson, defensive lineman out of Wisconsin, and Tyreek Stevenson, cornerback from Miami. In the third round, getting Derek Hall, edge rusher out of Auburn. And then in the fourth round at one ho- 103 overall, Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. And then running back Israel Abadi Conda out of Pittsburgh. In the fifth round, I got two offensive linemen, uh Braden Daniels out of Utah, and Juice Scruggs out of Penn State. And then in the seventh round, at pick 218, uh Thomas Income, defensive end out of Central Michigan. And at 258, the last pick in the draft, wide receiver slash tight end Elijah Higgins out of Stanford. So that's it. That's our mock drafts for um, the 2023 NFL draft. And you know, looking forward here, you say it. I mean It's going to get exciting as things kind of wind down here over this next week. So um, before we wrap it up here, you say, let's go over, I guess what our plan is for um, before the draft here in our next episode, the next episode is going to be a preview for the 2023 NFL draft. So check that out before the draft next week, as we'll be going over different storylines as it pertains to the NFL draft and, you know, some of the things that we're looking out for um, specifically for the bears, but also across the NFL. I and mean, there are a lot of rumors flying around right now. You know, in my opinion, you say it's going to be a wild week um, as we kind of look forward to next Thursday. It's, it might be the longest week of the year probably because it, there's just so much to talk about and I'm really excited looking forward to it. But um, with that said, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Pix for Polls podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on all uh, social media platforms, especially on Twitter, at Pix for Polls. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe on our podcast on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast here. Um, you say for all of our listeners out there, where can they find you on social media and find your work leading up to the draft? And Do you have anything in store for uh, on the Bear Report before the draft takes place?
1: Yes, you guys can follow me on social media at Usai Koshal. I have a key storylines article dropping at some point next week. I'll have more analysis for this specific mock draft that you guys went over. And then just a quick um, NFC North draft preview, breaking down all four teams and kind of what to expect. So a handful of draft content dropping next week too.
2: Absolutely. And then for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman25. You can find my work in the Bearport as well. I have some draft content coming up before the draft. Um, by the time this podcast is out, I should have my full two round mock draft for every NFL team uh, dropping on the Bearport. So I put myself in the GM chair for every NFL team and went over the mock draft for two rounds, including trades. I had a lot of fun putting that together. And I also went back and forth quite a bit uh, putting that together because man, it is really tough to put yourself in the mindset of all 32 GMs and um, deciding who to pick for each team, but I tried my best there if you want to check that out. And then on the Bearport YouTube channel, make sure to check out that because I am planning on doing um, a mock draft um, on the Bearport YouTube channel and basically just going over my not, – not live, but going over um, my thought process on – going through a mock draft the way i see it um for the bears and and kind of going over my thoughts in in more of a casual setting there rather than a writing set setting so make sure to check those things out before um the nfl draft and you know the next time we'll be talking to you guys we'll be like only a couple days away from the start of the 2023 nfl draft so it's really coming to a head here it's really exciting Um, we're both looking forward to Um, the start here. But until next time, Bears fans, um, keep your sanity, have yourself a great weekend um, and bear
0: down. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust. So I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3, it comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.